I probably saw this on Instagram or maybe I, I heard this from, from another podcast. Um, but they say, you know, basically which country uh, you decide to live in just depends on what kind of shit you're willing to put up with. Every country has its own, you know, problems or, you know, you could say shit. <laughs> and just, you know, what are you willing to put up with? <laughs> hey guys, my name is Akshita. I'm a data analyst and a travel enthusiast. I'm Anand. I'm a finance bro and a tech geek, and you're listening to the Why Coordinate, the weekly podcast where we discuss the why behind human society and behavior, lessons from pop culture, and our own experiences to lead a more intentional, efficient, and happy life. Hi, Anand. How are you doing? Hi, Hi Akshita. I've been good. You finally remembered to switch the script on me. Yes. <laughs> Go first. <laughs> yes, yes. Now this is going to be after for some time this is going to be the way it is, but yeah. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> How have you been? Good, good. Uh, I'm trying to think of something else to say apart from I've had a busy week, but I can't think of anything <laughs> else. <laughs> this is the performance pressure that I used to have every time we started. I'm like, how do I make this podcast interesting? And then it's like, no, I've had a boring week. I had a busy week. Uh, well, uh, today's podcast is going to be interesting because we have Chelsea Cow joining us. Uh, Chelsea, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for our listeners? Um, yeah, sure. Um, hi, Alan. Hi, Akshita. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to be part of um, this podcast. And I listen to podcasts a lot, but um, I never thought that one day I'd be um, a part of one. Uh, so this is really exciting for me. Um, my name is Chelsea Chow. I um, um, was born in, and raised uh, in China. Uh, I moved uh, to the U.S. Um, uh, for for school uh, in 2014. I've been living in Washington DC area ever since. Um, I have been working in the nonprofit sector for the past um, three years. Um, and I actually work in the business development function um, of, uh, for a nonprofit. And we uh, mainly implement um, US government foreign aid around the world. So as business development team, we are responsible for uh, bringing in uh, new projects that the organizations abroad. So, um, yeah, that's a bit about my career background um, in my spare time. I, I like uh, baking, working out. Um, I actually, um, last year, <laughs> uh, d- during the peak of the pandemic, I got really bored and I wanted to have something to work toward. Uh, and then I just gave myself, you know, this random goal that before I turned 24, I wanted to complete a 24K run. So that's um, a bit longer than a half marathon. Um, and, and before that, you know, like the longest dis- distance I've completed in one run was 10K. But I was like, you know, why not? <laughs> I had nothing else to do. Um, so, so I did that. Uh, after that, I guess I could call myself a, a half marathon runner. Um, so, um, so yes, I, you know, I like working out, uh, running outdoors, especially it's something that I try to do as much as I can. Um, I like baking and also um, spending time um, with my pets. I have a dog and a cat. So that's uh, my life. Wow, that 24K is very impressive, Chelsea. Uh, 24K <laughs> is the cumulative distance I would have run in the year of 2003. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
so uh so you mentioned you you'd be sort of washington dc um what what is your favorite uh, part or activity or place uh to visit in dc mm that's a really good question I guess a very stereotypical response would be the National Mall because that's where the Washington Monument and Capitol Hill um on the Smithsonian Museums are um and it is quite spectacular you know it's like this giant space um that has um some of the most important monuments that this country has to offer uh in one place um and um uh, in spring um when the cherry blossoms bloom it's really beautiful down there you know it's just a sea of pink blossom surrounding historical buildings lincoln memorial jefferson memorial so it's it's a really um beautiful part of the um i thought you would have said georgetown cupcakes but <laughs> uh. <laughs> i i know i know georgetown cupcake is i mean it's intimidating if you go there uh, on the weekend you can easily stay in the line for an hour or two um to, to just to get into the shop so um i mean i, I think their cupcakes are decent but i wouldn't spend like 2 hours in line <laughs> waiting for that They're extremely overhyped in my opinion uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so would you would you would you call uh, washington dc your home now since you've been here for uh, a few years yeah yeah that's um Uh, that's a question I ask myself all the time um, when I visit other parts of the U.S. or um, I, you know, I would say, oh, you know, I live in D.C., I come from D.C., um, so kind of see it as a home in that sense. Um, but whenever you know I talk to um, uh, friends in town, I wouldn't necessarily say, oh, like I'm from D.C. or obviously, you know, say that I'm, I'm from China. I still see China as my, you know, home country um, where I grew up as in town, um, and D.C. is just the place where i live right now <laughs> um so so yeah like this as uh, the interesting mindset it just it's relative it depends on um you know who's asking me the question and, and where i was at the time okay that that brings us to the topic of today's episode which is uh why do people decide to leave their hometowns and mm-hmm. uh, so you, so you, you mentioned that uh you moved away from your hometown in china while you were in china did you uh like grow up and stick around in the same city or did you move within china like what and then what was your experience when you first moved like yeah yeah i um um so i was born in a city called guangzhou it's the third largest uh, city in china on like two hours by train away from hong kong um so it's in the, in the south of china and um um i i spent the, my entire life there i was born there grew up there um you know went to uh, primary middle high school there um until i uh, moved to the us um and so before i moved to the us i've never been here like i've obviously like you know i've obviously been watching american tv shows and movies um and i remember actually in 20 it's either 2013 or 2014 um one of the captain america movies um was released and then um um a lot of the scenes in that movie were filmed in dc so i was you know sitting in, in a theater watching you know um views of dc flashing across the screen and it just felt really unreal i was like wow in a few months this this is going to be my city it's going to be where i live um and and then when i finally moved to dc you know that's when it hit me wow like this is my reality now Uh so yeah at first it was um familiar and strange at the same time familiar you know because i've been you know 
listening to American um, uh, pop music, music, um, watching American TV shows and movies um, for a very long time. Um, but it's so strange because I've never, um, you know, been here. Um, and yeah, there's just you no know, differences between uh, what I thought it would be and, and what it actually was. Um, and but overall, it wasn't that hard. Um, it wasn't that terrible for me to adjust. I, I think you know, mainly because um, I kind of purposely wanted to expose myself to, um, um, to you could say, quote unquote, American culture as much as I can before I move here. Because I almost wanted to, you know, prepare myself um, to 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 um, minimize cultural shock uh, as much as I can. That's uh, yeah. I'll I'll get get to you, Akshita, because I know you've moved around quite a bit and you'll also have interesting stories but I want to share my bit which is a little which mirrors Chelsea's a little bit but it's also like uh, so I, I, when I like so I moved to move to the US for my master's right after my undergrad and mm. uh, my reasons for moving to the US was also like I've also grown up consuming a lot of American media you know watching the TV shows and movies and having this entire sort of idea of what American life is life uh, like and uh, but my goal for going to the US was very weird like this is the first time I'm probably publicly acknowledging this but uh, so I, I I like traveling and I have a bucket list of things that I want to do in like you know different cities around the world but for the US I realized that I could not just you know do a 15-day trip in the US and experience everything that I wanted like I wanted to experience a Halloween party I wanted to experience uh, going to a winter formula. I wanted to experience baking a turkey for Thanksgiving. Like all the things that I'd seen in like these American TV shows and movies, I wanted to do every single thing. And uh, I realized that for that, I would need to spend a good year or so in the US. And I realized like doing a master's in the US made a lot of sense and I could you know experience all of that. Uh, and that's that, that is like my key, key driver for <laughs> going ahead. And then I wasn't like, I was... When I made this decision, I was like in my uh, sophomore year uh, of um, undergrad, and I basically had no idea about like my future and career and stuff. Like, but I just arbitrarily made this decision, and I went. And we we will talk more about like you know what my experiences were like. Uh, but like I just wanted and and that point about you know watching Captain America and like scenes from Washington D.C. Um, I I felt that uh, like so when I just moved to New York. That's when uh, Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Man, the the first Tom Holland movie had come out. And um, for my first month in New York, I was actually living in Astoria, Queens. And that movie is mm-hmm. predominantly set in Queens. It's not set in Manhattan. And like, it mm-hmm. felt extremely surreal to see, you know, scenes from <laughs> basically the, the street that I was living at. Uh, so that was, yeah. Uh, and now coming to Akshita, who's... who's, who's who switched cities so many times that I don't know what her definition was. <laughs> so every time, you know, when you're meeting someone new and everyone's like, so where are you from? And um, so generally I say I'm from Bangalore because right now, currently I'm living in Bangalore. And then they go to ask, oh, have you lived here? Like, are you born here? Have you brought, been brought up here? And I'm like, no, not really. Uh, I've just come here a few years ago. And then they're like, where are you actually from? And I honestly don't have an answer for that because um, I was born somewhere else. My ancestral roots are all over India, but I have lived all over the other parts of India. So it kind of, I have no definition of home. Honestly, I have no definition of home. So when people ask me where I'm from, 
it's it's an answer i truly struggle with and anyone who knows me for the past 10 years at least knows that i cannot answer this question at all like it's it's a struggle for me so i just tell them that i'm living in bangalore right now and that's it like you don't need to know, know about my past um but yeah so i haven't really lived outside india both of you have had that experience of leaving your home country i haven't really had that but i've this is my ninth city 10th city that i'm in in india so i've kind of moved around within the country in itself and um, in a way it's a very bittersweet experience cuz in a way i've kind of seen so many different parts of this country like so for example our indian listeners can understand so i've lived in goa i've also lived in uh, up i've also lived in gujarat i've lived in mumbai so all of these are very different cities one is like a tropical beach city one is a bandit city like it's known for its bandits and all of its um, gang violence etc one is known for like a metropolitan city so etc so i've lived in all of these places but then also i've kept moving so every one and a half years or two years i've moved from one place to the other place so by the time i actually got settled in and started you know making connections making friends or getting used to that place i had to like move out so but in a way it also made me quite adaptable so i'm glad for that but yeah i do not have a definition of home as such now moving out of india i love anug's and anug's motivation to go to his masters in the us like <laughs> that's amazing but i think what both of you all have kind of said is very much what the majority of us probably have is just that um that excitement or that vision of having a higher standard of living not higher standard but a different standard of living as you said doing different experiences that we have kind of grown up seeing in in different forms of um media and having that um wanting to do those experience those new things i think that's a motivation that all of us possibly have to move out of our countries and explore new places so um yeah that's a bit about my random background i don't it felt like an introduction for me i don't know why but um, yeah that's a bit I about feel, my background so yeah i felt like you shot through the entire like everything that you want to talk about in today's episode you just touched upon all the points <laughs> i touched upon all of it we will deep dive deeper <laughs> soon yeah and i can totally relate to that actually it's actually um you know yes i i've you know spent my entire life living in the same city in china but my family is not originally from that city my parents are from different parts of china and you know before them you know their parents were from different places so if we're talking about like ancestral origin then you know i can't say that i'm you know from guangzhou because I don't have any, you know, you could say biological connection um, to 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 the local population, but um, and, and so you know, and also you know, because my family moved there from different parts of China, um, my parents are not necessarily fluent in Cantonese, which is you know the local dialect um, that's widely spoken in the Guangdong province in Macau. Um, and so you know, because my parents don't speak Cantonese with me at home, you know. I never became fully fluent. Like I'm, I'm, I can understand it. I can, you know, speak Cantonese if I absolutely have to, but it wouldn't be my first choice. And so, um, in school, like my classmates would get so confused. They're like, "Yes, you were born and raised here, then how come you don't speak, uh, you know, Cantonese as fluently as we do? And if you don't speak Cantonese, then you are not from here because." If you're from here, you're supposed to speak the local language. Um, so I, I can totally relate to that. It's like, and, and when I was younger, I, I I didn't understand the concept, you know, of moving around, and you could 
be from a different place. I was like, well, it's simple. I'm just from here. Um, and then as, um, you know, as uh, I, I grow older, I started to realize, oh, maybe it's a little more complicated than that. Um, yeah, and, and, and Anna, I, I, I love your uh, reason for, for coming to the U.S. It could, it could almost be a fun fact because this is like the first time I, I hear someone telling me that they decided to um, pursue their studies here because they wanted to experience um, the, the full set of American culture from Christmas, Thanksgiving to <laughs> Independence Day and, and whatnot. That's, uh, that's awesome. <laughs> okay, let's, let's get to the title question of the episode. Uh, why do you think people choose to leave their home? Chelsea, you want to? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I, I think obviously that there are people who are forced to leave because, you know, if they stay, uh, they'll be risking their life, you know, for uh, religious, political reasons. Um, their, their life will be in danger. Then, you know, in that case, they, they actually have to leave. Um, and then there are some others, you know, who are enjoying a comfortable life uh, where they are. Um, but they wanted to see what else is out there or, you know, in terms of, I guess, from a material standpoint, um, you know, you have everything you need, but in terms of life, lifestyle, you're not necessarily happy with, with, you know, your current lifestyle and, you know, staying in the same city is not going to help you change that. So you wanted to um, um, move to a different place um, to, to, to see what else is out there. Um, yeah, and also for um, you know, pursuing education, developing a career elsewhere. Um, yeah, I, I think these are, you know, ranging from, it's like, it's, it's like a spectrum. One side of the spectrum is you absolutely, you have no other choice. If you stay where you are, you could die. And, and then to the, you know, the other end of the spectrum, which is, in, you know, in terms of standard of living, it's not a huge difference, but you just wanted to experience um, different things. Yeah. Other end of the spectrum is basically me. Who... <laughs> <laughs> Move to the US to, to do precisely that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I feel like, but, but the majority of people, I mean, not, not just talking about changing countries, but like within India as well. Uh, I see a lot of people, uh, people from the southern part of India move to the northern part of India for their undergrad. People from the northern part of India go to the southern part. So it's not like, you know, their respective parts don't have enough good education institutions. It's just, A, I feel like now people don't think about that as a criteria when, like, I feel like undergrad is one of the first reasons when people move out of their hometowns. And now it's not like a factor to consider for the most part for people. So uh, I would imagine maybe 40, 50 years ago when communication and transport wasn't as developed. Uh, people would restrict themselves to stay in like the area that they kind of grew up in. Whereas now it's like pe- people generally don't don't bother, on, uh, and so they're they're more open. Um, and uh, but an interesting phenomenon that I have noticed, I don't know if you've noticed this as well, is that like the people who tend to move out then have no problems in like kind of relocating themselves all the time. Like, for example, I would think of me as an example where I've you know, moved out of my home. Even within India, I've also lived in a few cities and then the U.S. and the U.K. and then back now to Canada. Whereas I met people in the U.S. who have never gone to the other coast. Like, they've, born in, they've been born and brought up on, the, on one side of the coast and they've never left the country. They've never even left the coast. Uh, the, you know, they've never gone to California. Or they've never gone to the Pacific Northwest and vice versa. And... Uh, like it, it's interesting. I have have you experienced like have you met people like that who you know never left the Yeah, I mean, um, 
I, I've met people who you know spend their entire life living in the DC area. You know, they're um, I mean, starting from their grandparents, um, everyone in the family went to the same school uh, for undergrad, um, and and they all graduated from, from the same school and got similar jobs, stayed in the region. So it's like you know, every member of their family is here. Um, and, and, and yeah, I completely agree with you know, your observation that people who've moved um, uh, from a city to another place once can more easily do it again. You know, it's kind of the mindset, I've done it once, I can do it again. Um, and, and if you haven't done it, um, it, it is more intimidating in your mind uh, to relocate. Yeah, and, and, and I think, um, I wonder if it's because the US is such a, has such a large territory that a lot of Americans feel that they can find what they need within the country. Like the latest statistics is like only 30% of Americans hold passports. I mean, that's just you know unbelievable. I mean, why, <laughs> why wouldn't you want to see other parts of the world? But you know, some people who you know who have the financial ability to do it, have had the time to do it, just would choose not to because they think that they have what they need right here. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And that, that I mean, I'm going to go off slightly on a tangent and bash Americans a little bit, but I feel like because of all of that, they're very uh, self-involved. And like I have good friends of mine who could not point out India on a map. Like, <laughs> you know how huge India's geographical area is? <laughs> and uh, a, a good friend of mine, uh, so... When I was in, in grad school, uh, we had this sort of dinner with, with the dean. And uh, I'd just come back from the winter break, having spent the entire month in New Delhi. And my friend, uh, so we were talking to the dean and he's like, yeah, I was in Dubai for the last week. And my friend is like, oh, Dubai, he, he, he's also, he, he was in Dubai the whole of last month. And like that dumbass could not differentiate between Dubai and New And <laughs> No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow wow that is just like and, and yeah I completely agree with your assessment on that it's like they are so some people can be very self-centered I mean not obviously not every American is like that but there are yeah. you know quite a few people that I've met um, <laughs> truly believe that the U.S. is the center of the world and as long as they know where Wisconsin is on the map they don't need to know where India or China or North Korea is on the map um, yeah. I think a few years back Either the Washington Post or New York Times did a survey. They asked, they, they basically just randomly polled uh, a group of Americans and asked them, could you point out where uh, North Korea is on the map? Um, and it was like all over the place. I and mean, some people even put the dot in the middle of the Pacific. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think um, um, uh, during my time in the U.S., I've, I've um, slowly become accustomed to to this type of reaction. You know, it's you know, uh, basically to to have a reasonable expectation of um, <laughs> how much they know about other parts of the world. <laughs> but yeah, well, Adam, while you were just sorry. talking about the story, I was just think. Uh, no, while you were telling me about that, I was just thinking of the same thing that Chelsea mentioned. You know, those videos where they go up to random strangers at. Uh, Oh, in Times Square, etc. And they kind of ask them questions about where's this country or where's this place from? And the, the most absurd answers. Like, I honestly feel how could people actually mess this answer up? Like, this is the basic answer. But yeah, anyways, just continue. And it's not, 
and it's interestingly it's it's not like you know a, a, a factor that, like a, a trend that you've seen every sort of western first worldish country like in europe there's a huge culture of traveling and knowing about other cultures and knowing about other countries although feel like they don't have too much area to kind of explore within themselves so they have to <laughs> visit their neighbors unlike the us no choice uh, they have no choice <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly uh, okay yeah. then le- le- let's come to the the question that i like to keep ranting about all the time which is uh, what are some challenges people face when they leave their hometowns and then the second part is what keeps them away from home despite all these challenges you know i think maybe one of the most obvious um, challenges is language barrier a lot of people who you know moving to um, the us or the uk for the first time uh, they probably have been learning english for a very long time but they've never um, lived in an english speaking environment so having to use it um, on a day-to-day basis. And, and there are just you know, a lot of things that are unique to the local context, you know, sayings and phrases that you've never heard before. And now all of a sudden that's what everyone is saying around you. So, so that can definitely be challenging. And um, again, it's one of those intimidating factors that um, make you almost wanna hide. Like you, you, you want to um, go back to your comfort zone to hang out with you know, people who speak um, the same na- native language as you do, so that you don't have to experience the awkward moments of asking people to repeat themselves five times before you understand what they're saying, or you know, you would say something and they would just look at you like, "What?" Um, you know, you you can avoid that kind of experience. Um, uh, and so, yeah, language barrier is is um, definitely one of the first um, challenges. Um, yeah, and also, um, and, and as as you continue to um, uh, live uh, in, and, and even um, sorry, going back to the point of uh, language barrier, um, even if even if you're just moving within the country, um, different dialects are spoken. People have different accents. So so you know, even if um, let's say. Uh, you know, if I if I go to Beijing and you know people talk to me in, in Mandarin, but they have you know the Beijing accent, and there might be a word or two where I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, I I didn't catch you there. You have to repeat yourself because you know I'm just not accustomed to to that accent. Um, yeah, and and then um, yeah, as you continue to spend more time um, in that city, uh, you will start to. Uh, notice um, differences in cultural practices and um, customs. It, it might be, uh, um, yeah, for example, you know, in one city, you know, it, it might be polite uh, to ask about, uh, you know, your dinner plan. And, and maybe in another city, you're not supposed to say that. You're not supposed to, you know, they think that that's, that's privacy. If I'm not sharing that with you openly, you shouldn't be asking what I'm doing for dinner. Um, so, you know, that kind of, um, things that um, really come through um, as you spend more time there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, the, the language barrier thing, I think, is uh, especially like, so thank, like growing up in India, uh, we, we study English all, like from the day we were born. And in fact, if I be honest with you, English is the only language I, can, I know how to write and read. I'm not very fluent with my uh, mother tongue anymore. Like I can't. I can't read uh, Hindi as quickly. Like if you give me a page of Hindi, it will take me 10 Same. minutes to go True. through it. I can't. Uh, I can't so, so, so technically the only language that I'm very, very fluent at is English. And uh, like I, I know for a fact that in, in China, because of political reasons or uh, whatever background that is, English hasn't been really promoted that well. Uh, so it, it's kind of taught like sort of like a third language. Uh, and then when people 
come here uh, which is which is why i'm always impressed with like you know kids coming in from china and they score these amazing scores on like exams like gmat nielts like like how if you if you ask me to score that kind of an exam like score on like a french exam i could never do it which is very impressive uh, but yeah like if you if you, if mm-hmm. i go to like germany for example i just i just literally feel like an alien because i uh, don't understand anything that they're saying even the broken english that i speak like whatever i speak to them uh, they don't understand like even if i'm speak trying to uh in 2011 i went to italy with my dad and he left me because he had to go for like a business meeting and i was like i was trying to get my way around i asked the lady at the hotel desk to like write down uh whatever is italian for the egyptian museum and i went to the taxi driver and literally was reading it out loud and he just could not understand what i was so it's it, it just feels extremely uncomfortable when people are not able to understand what you're saying and it underscores that feeling of being an outsider uh, very very much uh, but mm-hmm. even if you do kind of speak the language you there is this sort of feeling of uh, being an outsider uh, there's something which which i like to call the curse of the expat which is now that i moved out of india and i've lived abroad uh, obviously when i live in like the us the uk and now in canada i will not be able to 100% relate to you know someone who's grown up there because there are parts of me which differentiate me from that person but equally now when i come back to india i cannot 100% relate to people who've spent on their life here because my mindset and my lifestyle choices have now become a little bit of west a little bit westernized so now it's like i will never 100% feel completely at home in any of the two uh, that is like a big challenge that i personally and the other one is people who are who are more of like who who never adapt and who never really uh, adopt the culture and lifestyle of a new country that they're in uh, they they keep feeling homesick all the time like i have i had coworkers from india in uh, in the uk and the us both like they literally they would be living in london or they would be living in new york but they would be trying to create a, a mini india while they were there so they would only eat indian food for entertainment they'll go watch bollywood movies stick to socializing with indians and celebrate indian festivals and basically their way of socializing was just ranting about how much they miss home leading a life like that is like i don't know i feel like that that's a miserable life when you move away there's this vacuum created of things that you don't get to do which you were doing in your home country so like in india we have like a shit ton of festivals i can't celebrate all of them with that that scale when i'm living abroad but then because of that vacuum that's been created that needs to be filled with whatever culture you're in so like if you're in the US celebrate the super bowl go watch the super bowl you know get some wings get some beer or if you're in the US uh, go celebrate burns night or go go celebrate guy fox night like adopt what is happening there and then that's fine but a lot of people don't do that because of which they feel homesick uh, i so so like in canada getting the pr is very easy but you have to i think stick around for 3 years in that country uh, i know a lot of people who who got all of it who were there and then like literally 60 days or 70 days before they would have gotten the pr they just left and got came back to india because they felt so homesick uh, so that's another problem i feel people face when yeah i agree uh, on the language barrier i mean it's a big thing and even within india um i've faced this so many times even right now i've lived in the city for 4 or 5 years now and still when i step out and i try to get a cab um it's it's so difficult for me to navigate because they do not speak any language that i know and i do not speak the language that they speak here so yeah that's one thing that's there 
anywhere um whether it's moving within india or outside um yeah apart from i think the differences in the culture just the culture shock or moving out of your home country and getting used to new experiences new kinds of people um as chelsea said there are a few customs that might be okay here but not there and as anna said homesickness that's also a big thing i also think that there's this difference in the way of life like how you live life so just small example like in india if you uh if your water heater is leaking you can just call someone in 5 minutes and someone will come and fix it for you in the us or in in canada you will not have anyone to come help you you will have to figure out everything your apartment will be flooding leaking but you cannot call someone as easily as you can or like in india when you're driving you i mean for me driving is so different from how it is in the western countries or just small things right going to a bank it's 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 a way different way that we have used to because we have grown up in a certain country and things happen in a certain way um also there's a lot of uh, jugaad in india or you can get things done uh, by hook or crook like in india Are there like handyman who can fix things for you, or they're just... yeah, handyman is the one who can you know come fix things. What I meant by yeah. jugar is just you can get things done if you in a slight way. I don't know, Anna, can you uh, explain this in a better yeah. way? So, so it's like uh, there are ways to kind of uh, take 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 shortcuts and you know figure out uh, alternative ways of doing things uh, yeah. outside of like what the rules are. and uh, yeah but that's not how things work in any other country at least yeah, so, so, so yeah just the connections i guess connect, yeah exactly exactly yeah 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 yeah, uh, yeah. Like, like to to give you an example i mean i'm sure to some level this happens in every country but like like for example in india uh, we had like the the covid vaccines being rolled out and uh, people who had connections and people who like knew someone who knew someone uh, were able to get get theirs out of turn way back in like january february when they just started rolling out to medical so 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 things like that uh and uh, yeah the the other thing is like your your uh, perception of what just expenses in general right uh, so so like for example a doctor's visit we don't even think twice about visiting a doctor in india like you literally yeah, just come to that yeah <laughs> and you know you pay a, a very nominal amount as consultation fee and you just get you know get yourself consulted whereas in uh, in the us it's a nightmare <laughs> and uh, um, in, in in the uk it was uh, very weird like uh, basically like in february just before you know the whole covid thing started i i was down on fever and i I, i i the only thing i knew was that i need to go visit my like local gp and they gave me an appointment for like 10 days later so i was like i have fever what what do i do like uh, 10 days is too much so then they said you then then you can go into the accidents and emergencies uh, ward so like it's not as severe as well like i <laughs> like you know to walk into er but it turns out that that is how it works like you either have some sort of like elective surgery or you know just like a skin thing or you want to get checked so you take an appointment or you walk into their er irrespective of whether you know you've cut off your half your arm or you are down with it. so these kind of things are very very different and kind of and and then akshita mentioned the higher standard of living uh like i your perception of what a is higher standard of, of a higher standard what higher standard of living changes so like for example having a chauffeur or having someone having a maid to come you know clean your apartment or you do your dishes 
is the epitome of luxury in the US. Whereas uh, someone who's, you know, just gotten out of undergrad and started working in, in I, I know I have so many friends in the city that Akshita lives in and they have a maid who comes in to like, you know, cook food for them, clean their Yeah, apartment. I think it's like a basic necessity uh, in at least a lot of places that I've lived in where you have some kind of staff who is coming and uh, helping you clean up or cook for you, etc. And it's so common. I, I think 99% of the houses that are there in, in my city have someone who's doing that versus it's as Anak said, it's like a luxury or it's something that only the few people with a big ass mansion will have a chauffeur or will have like a um, butler to kind of do that. But yeah. Yeah. But on the flip side, material and things are very, very expensive. And as, as a percentage of your salary is uh, like that ratio is very, very different. So like when I started working uh, with just half of my month's salary, uh, first month salary, I was able to furnish my entire apartment by a large screen TV, by all the furniture I wanted, uh, linen, everything. And I cannot imagine furnishing my apartment like that with the prices of things in India with even two or three months of my salary. Uh, so material things are very, very expensive. So like a large screen TV or the new iPhone is is much more of a luxury in India than it is in the US. So just your idea of what is a luxury, what is not, what is reasonable, these kind of things also change significantly when you shift geography. Yeah, there are, I'm, I'm seeing so many similarities, um, parallels between um, China and India. And I think it has to do with um, you know, basically um, how developed uh, both countries are and you know, in terms of size of population uh, and geographical location, there are just so many similarities, you know, it, it's the same. The studies function in very similar ways. Um, you know, we, we also rely on connections uh, more so than following the rules. Um, it, it's almost like your social capital um, is more important than um, how much money you own. Obviously, you need money to build connections, but if you come from a family that um, is very well connected, then you yourself don't necessarily have to be a millionaire to to um, to benefit from that. Um, and um, yeah, I, I think you know this, this goes back to uh, you know kind of what actually I said in the beginning. You know, it's um, a different standard of living. Um, it, you. By, by moving from one city to another, or from one country to another, you are always giving up certain things um, in order to gain others. So at the end of the day, it's, you know, what's really important to you um, is, uh, you know, the idea of owning a house with a backyard more important than um, being able to call someone and then the plumber will come in five minutes fix, fix uh, you know, plumbing issues for you I mean which one is more important some people would say well I don't care about having a house or a backyard I just want to want the convenience um, then and I just you know I want to be able to afford a helper you know who come in and cook for me and clean for me and so so you know they probably go for um, a lifestyle in, in, in China and India you know where someone will say well I'm happy to do all of these things on my own I but, but I really appreciate the space I, I want to own a house um, with a decent sized backyard, then they probably want to live in uh, North America. Um, and and um, I I probably saw this on Instagram, or maybe I, I heard this from, from another podcast. Um, but they say, you know, basically which country uh, you decide to live in just depends on what kind of shit you're willing to put up with. Every country has its own, you know, problems, or you, know, you could say shit. <laughs> and just, you know, what are you willing to put up with? <laughs> 
That's so true. <laughs> that is so true. Yeah. We should uh, quote that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. coming to the second part, uh, I think Chelsea kind of covered most of it, but like, why 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 do you think people stay away from home yeah i um you know i i think i've i've witnessed um similar um things that you know, anna you were describing when people get homesick um you know they they try as much as they can to stick to the lifestyle back home and you know they uh, hang out with friends from home um and and refuse to to um you know experience um well what um where they are currently living um has to offer um and you know i i i think you know for people who fully embrace and enjoy um everything that their current city has to offer i mean it's it's not hard to understand why they decided to stay um it's those who are kind of not here neither neither there you know people who are in that kind of status that makes me really wonder you know like if you really miss home so much then why are you here you know it's why wouldn't you want to just you know go home and and you know be happy wouldn't you be happier there i mean why would you want to um pull up with uh you know homesickness um yeah th- that that's what i'm really um curious about i don't know what you guys think <laughs> yeah i i had a couple of buddies where you know at, at work who at lunch time you know we'd get together and they just talk about how they just waiting to get back home and their whole thing was that they 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 were intending to live in london for a few years and while they were living in london they were living extremely frugally and they wanted to just basically save up earn quite a bit and then move back to india that was kind of their plan um there are other people i know who kind of settled down i don't know in anyone in the uk but in the us i know a lot of people kind of settled down make their sort of mini um like you have chinatown they make like a little india and they might absolutely cannot understand what their rationale is because they go home back to india like multiple times in a year and like at, at that point why not just live in india is is kind of my question but uh, uh um, i so, mean but in a way it's i feel like it's still good to have that connect like you are living in the us or you're living in canada but hmm. the few times that you feel for for some situations where the people are 100% um invested in all things about their hometown and they're like praying to get back or they wanted to get back then it makes sense but then having these little townships from your home countries i feel like it's a good way to have that balance between being in a western country but also having those ties back to home and um yeah so i would definitely love that i mean even though i'm going to go somewhere new and i'm going to immerse myself in those that western culture for sure there will be few days where i will want to go for diwali party or go for some kind of food which is indian and i think it's great that they have created these townships for people but yeah in in the sense where someone is constantly wanting to go back then even i'm very curious then why would he just not go back if it's like a financial or if it's like a if it's if it's something they're supposed to do they're forced to be doing as chelsea mentioned whether it's financial whether it's political religious etc or just family pressure etc then it kind of makes yeah. sense but if it's a choice and they're not happy with the choice then yeah why not just <laughs> revert it and go back you know i i sometimes i wonder if it has to do with pride um you know there's this perception that oh because I'm, i i managed to move away from my hometown you know i i got out of it um even though there's nothing to get out of your hometown could be perfectly fine but just for some reason you know some people believe that they 
managed to move out of their hometown, managed to move to a, you know, so-called developed Western country, that they are, you know, somewhat superior to others. I, I, I wonder, you know, that could be part of it, you know, a bit of, you know, pride um, in, in, the, um, in their mindset that they want to continue to be able to differentiate differentiate themselves from others that they're somehow better um, that, that uh, another angle i think could be that you know going back means that uh proving to yourself and others around you that you made a wrong decision you made the wrong decision mm. and that's very common yeah. yeah that that is very common yeah, yeah. i mean you, you and probably also, sorry. Not yeah, sorry. Yeah. I just I just wanted to say, you know, there, there, you know, you, you could be miserable, you could be, you know, crying uh-huh, at night, but you when you get on the phone with a friend from home, you're gonna say, oh, it's awesome. I I love yeah. my new city. Yeah. I, I yeah. such a good life. Oh, I have a huge backyard. You know, I all these things are so nice. <laughs> and then when you hang up the phone, you start crying to yourself. I mean, there, <laughs> sure, there might be people like that. <laughs> this is too true. Very true. Yeah, and also. Um, I think there are a lot of people who generally want to come back. So suppose, for example, someone's gone to the US or to Canada to study and they've invested so much money uh, going there and they go there and they realize that this is something that they do not like and they would like to come back. But financially, now they're stuck, stuck in the sense that they will spend a lot of time kind of paying back or gaining that um financial stability back the ones that they've spent uh, to do their education and similarly for careers a lot of people uproot their lives and careers here and they relocate somewhere else and for them to come back search for a new job uh, look for new fresh starts all of that gets a little difficult so I also know a few people who want to come back but they're unable to because of these reasons because they're not able they, they will not be able to pay off their student loans they will not be able to get a job etc that's maybe one other angle of why people are forced to stay back when they don't want to yeah that, that's a good point it's true because if you're taking out loans in you know USD or CAD then you have to convert it somehow and then, it, you know, if you go back to earning a salary in, in China, yeah, it, it'll take longer. Let's be honest. It, it will probably take longer to pay back. Uh, there's something that, that popped into my and I just lost it. Um, that's me, 24 said. That's me throughout the entire podcast. Like, I'll have something when someone else is talking and when Amal puts it on me, I'm blank. I'm like, oh no, what is it? What are trying to share? Um, it's okay, we can move on. It'll probably come back to me. <laughs> yeah but so but eventually i think it 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 boils down to like personal preference and like i think you summarized it really well with like you know what shit you're willing to put up with like like for me that i mean obviously that that home homesickness angle is always there when i'm abroad and you know i'm more than missing like this culture i miss my family uh but Mm. but on a day-to-day life basis like I prefer living in a society where everyone is by the book. Like it makes, gives mm-hmm. me immense, like for example, if, you know, we're all waiting to get into a room uh, in most Western countries, people will queue up and whoever's entered, wh- whoever's reached their last will be the last person to walk in. In India, that is never going to happen. Uh, in India, people will be just waiting in sort of a half a manner. And then when things open up, people will try to kind of, Russian, you know, whoever's coming last will try to. And this is sort of like a small example of just unnecessary stress. And 
I am not someone that is okay with being okay. Fine, I don't really care. I'll, I'll be the last person to walk. Why, why worry about? It? Like, I have that sort of OCD in my head that you know this is how people should be. If someone's reached their first, he should be the first person to walk in. And when that is not enforced, it makes me really uncomfortable. So in societies where this is very strict, where you know, even even more than the US, like I love I love Germany or I love Singapore for these reasons, where you know. is extremely like everybody in that society is extremely well behaved everybody follows the rules rules are nicely spelled out uh mm-hmm. and that so so that is kind of my reason for wanting to you know not stay here yeah yeah it is exactly the the same in china and sometimes you feel like there's almost not a sense of logic um in the way that things happen it doesn't make any sense i mean if 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 these things you know such as you know something as simple as um, you know standing in line um if the order of people you know entering a store is based on their place in the line that that follows a logic if i come later than the person before me and that person enters the store before me no problem i'm okay with that i you know i respect this logic but if the person behind me gets into the store first because he knows the store manager then then that to me is not logical and and that's not something that i can change um because if i don't know the store manager i don't know the store manager there's nothing i can do about it um and um i i definitely feel like you know going back to you know what we were talking about earlier about you know connections and and social capital um i you know after i i i completed my undergraduate degree um i i i just made the assumption that if i move home i'm not going to be able to um land a job that's going to help, you know first of all make this investment worthy and then second of all is not going to be a job where i will be happy you know where i'll be you know doing something that i'm truly interested in um because i i i i'm i'm majoring in international relations so so you know that means my job will be something that is you know foreign policy um public policy related and and those type types of jobs um rely a lot on who you know and you know unfortunately i'm not from a family that is you know very well connected you know my parents are not important <laughs> government officials so i i have no one to to count on to rely on to um you know help me um achieve what i'd like to achieve and and that's not because you know i'm i'm not capable of um, you know doing a certain job it seems like because i don't know the right people to get me into that position um and yeah like um after graduating and you know finding a job in the us i mean that process worked very differently it was you know simply based on my cv you know my studies my performance in the in the in the interview not so much because i the hiring manager is a family friend so so these are factors that are logical to me things that i can control whereas you know at least at least for 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 the nature of of my um education background and you know the the job that i was interested in at the time you know that would work it it'll be you know 90% um, be relying on who my family you know but but you know to play the devil's advocate on that um i i i don't think that it's completely fair like the west either uh, like if you if you talk about the the hierarchy in society based on your ethnic makeup and a class where you come from and all uh, it's like in your home country you're probably going to be uh, like like if i talk about myself being a hindu being a male in india i am at the top of the social hierarchy whereas uh, in the us i fall somewhere at the bottom uh, being a brown uh, guy when it comes to kind of recruiting and and these things are more sort of not 
as in your face but like when it comes to recruiting uh these these are like you know actual issues where because you you're not from here uh recruiting like nobody's going to talk about it especially because like this whole you know being politically correct uh, social uh you know wokeness is there so and everybody has this sort of diversity and inclusion officer and this and that so these these topics are never blatantly in your face talked about but they still exist and they exist at a at at a fairly high level uh and um that that is also a challenge like that is the flip side of you know trying to uh find jobs or trying to recruit in a country that you're not from yeah that 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 is true um uh and you know we could maybe also argue that uh, microaggression exists microaggression against um, you know people like you and me who are who are born in a foreign country move here and we obviously are not white um and and we don't have you know family connections here uh and you know in a workplace you know there might be something that your colleagues said maybe it wasn't intentional they didn't realize that it was rude that it was offensive but they said it anyway and and um and you know in in that situation is hard to point out right hey like it's not okay to say that you know because it wasn't blatantly racist but it was you know um implied yeah it's it's subtle mm-hmm. but but yeah the the implication is they they think that you are an outsider you're you're you know different they they view you differently yeah okay. and and so uh, you know this goes back to you know what kind of what kind of shit are you going to put up with right <laughs> like i'm yeah. I, i guess so far like I'm okay with with dealing with um you know my this matter of microaggression or you know this kind of perception of uh, people of color in in uh, North American society um I'm okay with it because I I'm prepared for this like I knew what I was getting into um whereas you know sometimes I find things at home to be a little more you know unpredictable and there are people who are the opposite who find um you know racial conflicts to be a lot harder to understand than um using connection so um yeah i think yeah. this is you know Anna, you and i and, are similar in that sense that, yeah we find this easier to navigate and and uh, <laughs> on on um, some level i feel like this 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 uh, sort of at least the racial stereotypes amongst the people around me i i feel like on some level i can control that in the sense that like if i meet someone who has a certain perception of uh, indians and they've never interacted with indians they'll, they'll treat me a certain way but then maybe when they get to know me it'll change but things that are more systemic systemic as a problem uh where you know now there's no way i can control these people who don't queue up or there's no way i can control society in general if uh you know they are getting the covid vaccine out of turn so these kind of things i feel more powerless against and uh again may, maybe because i haven't really experienced a very scarring uh you know sort of encounter when it comes to sort of racism overt or blatant but that 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 is kind of why maybe if you know i had some really bad experience i would be on the next flight back to it um that could also be the time yeah yeah i i think i'm lucky in that sense that you know dc area is relatively um liberal everyone is relatively you know open minded so um i've never yeah really encountered like a really awful racist encounter where people you know treated me poorly uh, simply based on my race um but i would say when i so i actually um i, I spent a semester uh, studying in france uh, when i was undergrad uh and 
during that semester, I realized, you know, France is not a place where, you know, I want to <laughs> live again. I mean, it's, it's great as, as like a one semester study abroad experience. It was great, but it's not a place where, you know, I want to complete the degree or even work full time or start a family. Um, it's just, um, yeah, I definitely felt a lot more ostracized um, in France uh, than, than I do in the U.S. So, yeah, so, I mean, that that happens sometimes too, right? You move to a different place and you realize that that place is not for you. Um, and then yeah. you uh, move on and go somewhere. But I guess out of all countries in the world, the most uh, we don't want you kind of country is probably France. They are extremely uh, racist towards anybody who is not French. Like, uh, I was on a train from Paris to London and I met there was this, like, this French mother-daughter sitting in front of us. And they said that uh, we are only talking... Like, they hate Britishers and Americans even more than they hate, like, you know, Eastern countries. So they, they were like, we are talking to you because we know you're from India. If you were from Britain or if you were from uh, the US, uh, we would not even talk to you. And, like, my relatives were, like, second-generation uh, Americans. Like, they, they, they've, they, they live in the US, but they're essentially Indians. So when they travel to France, they don't acknowledge that they are American passport holders. They say that they're Indians because they get a better response than uh, so it's sort of, uh, those people are extremely snooty. Like that new Netflix show, Emily in Paris, the kind of hate she gets is actually less than what I would assume someone in her situation gets in the real world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's true. Like, um, uh, I, I remember, you know, um, during my time there, uh, I had a couple of friends who were uh, from uh, North America. So, you know, we would sit down at a restaurant and it's like, you know, six, seven of us sitting at the same table, talking relatively loudly in English. And everyone in the restaurant would turn around and stare at us. And one time we tried to take a selfie um, and then the guy just like photobombed us because he was, and it wasn't like a funny photobomb. It was like, he was upset. He was trying to get back at us. He was upset that we were speaking English loudly in a restaurant in France. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, it, it's very interesting. I think that, um, and, and maybe throughout Europe, um, it's a little, this kind of anti, I don't even know what you call it, anti-Anglophone sentiment might be a little less in Germany or Netherlands. Um, you know, or other countries, but in France, for some reason, it's a little more um, obvious. You know, for that reason, um, yeah, I just, um, I, I think it's, it's a, you know, definitely a great country to travel to. Uh, you know, I, I've met some um, great people from there, but it's just not a place where I want to live. <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on, what is the definition of home for someone that's moved to uh... Yeah, actually, I'd love to um, hear your response to that because you mentioned you've been moving around and you find it hard to answer that question. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, as I said, um, when it, when it, whenever anyone asks me where are you from or like what where do you stay, I've always lived with my family. I have not stayed out by myself. So for me, um, however cheesy this sounds home is like where family is like wherever my parents are I kind of associate that with home somewhere I can go back to uh, even even for a few months where I was alone in Bangalore and they were in Mumbai that time I associated home as Mumbai because they were there and once they came here I associated home as Bangalore because they were here so in a weird way I think family is what kind of 
that's what i consider home but honestly i struggle with this answer for where's your hometown um i i don't know like honestly i do not know i still don't know the answer to this but yeah if anyone asks me where's home then it's where my family is even when i go to uh canada or us whenever um i will always say home is like bangalore which is where my family is and in general i think what makes a place home is just the people uh you know your loved ones your family your friends and also that comfort that you have or that security that you have in that place so i think that's what defines like what home is for me at least what about you anna i i like how akshita put it i never thought of it that way but yes when whenever i've been wherever i've been home for me has been where my family has been at as well uh although uh, that's also been because whatever city that i've been at the time i had no visibility about my future uh and i always knew that at some point of time i would have to move out of it will be interesting to answer this question once we are in toronto because in toronto i will have that sort of uh visibility into the future that if i don't want to i can stay here for the rest of my life and at that point of time will toronto be home for me or will new delhi be home for me? uh i don't know uh but until then yes it's it's wherever my folks are at as well <laughs> yeah stay tuned for more <laughs> you shall know in one year's time <laughs> um, to be reviewed in future episodes brana yeah. <laughs> um, yeah i uh, I'm, i'm really glad, glad that you know actually tell you mentioned um, the idea of home is where family is when i was um 13 um i'm I moved to the UK briefly with my parents because of my dad's work and that was my first time um moving abroad or I guess visiting uh, a foreign country I, and then you know the first time for me to visit a foreign country was to live there for for a few months um and um you know I was a teenager you know speak English back then it was scary and my mom said you know don't be scared we're here and home is wherever uh, we are you know together as a family so this is this is home for now um and i didn't really understand it back then um because i was like well but now that my friend is here like th- this is not you know this is, this is a place that we're renting it's is not where i grew up i i you know i don't i really don't consider this as home um but now that you know i've been living away from my parents for so long you know i'm starting to understand you know what my mom uh, meant when she said you know homeless where family is and in a way i think in the past 7 years i've been trying really hard to create that harbor or recreate that harbor for myself um because i i realize that it's probably going to be a while until i um live in the same city with my parents again um and so you know in this meantime you know in in the meantime what can i do to make myself feel more at home is by <laughs> creating a family of my own uh and so you know um uh i i got married last year so you know now you know i i do consider that you know me and my husband and our pets you know we are kind of our own you know little family and um when, when we are together you know uh wherever uh we are that's home that could be you know dc new york boston toronto vancouver Uh, whatever but if you know as long as it's this small family together um you know, i would consider it consider it as home um and of course it's not to say that you know i'm 
um, disregarding where my parents are. I, I still, you know, think of Guangzhou as uh, home because they're there, but you know, I could have a second home, a third home, you know, as long as um, I have this sense of um, belonging because of, you know, a family that I've built on my own. And uh, do you feel that uh, familiarity is also a factor before you can start calling a place home? Like, for example, mm. um, when you moved to DC in your first year versus now that you've been here for two years, um, has that also led to now you, you know, feeling comfortable in calling it a home? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The, you know, the first year I, um, whenever, um, you know, when you talk about uh, going back to the dorm, some people would say, oh, I want to go home. Um, and, but what they're really referring to is their dorm room. And I would purposefully avoid uh, that way of um, referring to my dorm. I would say, I'm going back to the dorm. It's not home. It's just a dorm room. Like I don't, I don't live there <laughs> I mean, for now, but I'm not going to live there forever. Um, I, I definitely, you know, had this very you know, strong will to differentiate between uh, where I feel truly belonged and where I feel, you know, my status is temporary. Um, and then as um, time moves on and, you know, we, we um, had our own apartment and, and, you know, things like that, um, that, that's when it started to feel a bit more um, like home. Like, you know, we have more ownership, more, more control over, um, yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, I would say like, if, 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 um, if I find out that we are moving to, uh, let's say, um, uh, yeah, if, if we're moving to Berlin tomorrow, um, I'm gonna have a hard time um, calling um, Berlin my home. Um, but if you say that I'm moving to um, New York tomorrow, um, I'll probably be okay with calling New York my home because it's similar to DC. So I'll be able to accept that very quickly. Um, yeah. And uh, do, do you feel that like the, the, the social circle that you build in that new area also kind of contribute? For example, I'm sure you have friends who live around, you might have a coffee shop uh, that you frequent close to your house. There might be a garden where you take your dogs for a walk. Like the more you become familiar with these things, and the more you sort of grow your roots, is is does that kind of factor in as well, or is kind of quoting Thor Ragnarok that home is the people and not the place? Uh, like what is your take on that? Mm, that's a very good point. I, I think you know it's it's a combination of the environment and and, and the people you know you know, all of these things together give you a sense of community, like you belong to a community here uh, and, and that help you um, feel like you're at home. Um, and, and definitely like these are things that are very hard to leave behind when you move. Um, but then, you know, I, I'm curious, you know, because for both of you, you, you've been moving around quite a bit. So whenever, you know, you move to a new place, do you go through that period of time, you know, before you actually make the move but you know you're about to leave do you go through that period of time when you feel really sad and you want to um you know take up every opportunity you can to you know enjoy um uh, you know the, the community you know the, the the moment you share with your friends um in, in that particular city 100 percent 100 percent even now um like um i, I love indian food and 
um, at home we have homemade Indian food, but there's like a certain set of food we don't really make at home. And for the past one week, I have like a list of things I want to max out on before I go. Uh, so just like small examples of this, just experience places I've been eating for for like the last five years, or places where I have good memories of. You know, I used to go there with my friends and eat. So yeah, uh, coming to Anak's point of uh, people and like does the environment. versus the people what kind of makes home um i feel like people are permanent while like a park where you used to go to every day even though you have a strong connect to that that is something that's temporary you might you might have this favorite coffee shop where you've gone every single day for 5 years to have your mental peace and just go there read a book but when you move to a different country you will find another coffee shop and you will build that same connect To, with that new place so these environments are obviously very close to heart that is what makes home but that is also something that's temporary and that can be carried forward to a different thing and then call that home versus the people are uh, it might be possible that you find the same connect with people somewhere else and find that feeling but i feel like if you kind of compare it people are more permanent in that sense and places even though they are close to heart are temporary so yeah i don't know if that makes sense. yeah it does it does so like uh, but but there is like a lead time before it like to quote chelsea's example like if for she sure. moves to berlin today uh, she won't be able to call it home for like until until some time has passed where she's maybe built memories with her husband and her pets for maybe a few weeks after that point of time uh but i guess this example is uh, nicely showcased in like my undergrad for example my undergrad campus is extremely beautiful you have all these buildings and stuff but all all my friends are no longer there the professors that were there have all retired so now if i go visit my campus i absolutely cannot relate to that place anymore whereas um, a couple of my friends visited me when i was working in new york and we were in this like a part of town that i was visiting for the first time but that whole area felt more familiar than going to my undergrad campus would have felt at that point of time so it is yep. definitely that's the exactly people what I meant. yeah <laughs> that's what i meant and <laughs> even like so i was living in goa for the last 3 4 months um a while back and as chelsea mentioned right when you're moving when you know you're going to move um that a few the weeks few weeks leading up to that how do you feel about it I was in Bangalore. It's just that during the lockdown, we kind of um, was were, were working from home in uh, the different city, and even when we had to come back to Bangalore, which is home, we felt that I wouldn't say sadness, but that kind of bittersweet feeling of you know, oh, we are leaving Goa and we are moving to Bangalore, back again. So I don't think that ever goes like however short amount of time you stay in or however long you stay anywhere. But yeah, just. you always feel that you want to do as much as you can i just immerse yourself in that city as much as you can before you leave and 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 despite this you know difficult um um this difficult situation you know despite you know, this feeling of sadness and having a hard time letting go you still choose to to move you still choose to experience um different cities so that just you know says a lot about how strong your motivation and will is to to move on yeah i, I think you know i i try to convince myself that um if i don't turn over this page i'm never going to be able to read the next chapter and yes maybe the next chapter is not going to be as exciting as this 
but you never know until you're actually there. And um, yeah, you just have to, you know, trust that the connections you feel, the, the friends um, that you've made, you will stay in touch. It's, it's a full circle. You'll see each other again at some point, maybe in different parts of the world, but um, as long as you stay connected, yeah, you'll have to. Okay. Um, so to quote uh, one of the podcasts that you mentioned, Chelsea, and that I started listening to, uh, what is the takeaway for our friends who have uh, <laughs> never moved away from home? <laughs> Why should I love everyone that. Move <laughs> <laughs> love that, Anna. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Um, um, I, um, I, I, I think, you know, um, if you choose to move and you don't like it, you always have the choice of coming back. I mean, most of the time you have the choice of coming back. Um, and, and so, you know, in, in that scenario, you don't have a lot to lose. You, you might as well, uh, you know, see what else is out there. If you hate it, that's fine. And if, but if you love it, you know, that's awesome. You, you've just discovered something um, new for yourself. And, you know, for me, the fear of missing out is stronger than, <laughs> you know, the, the, um, um, the, the stubbornness or, or the persistence of holding on to what I have now. So, um, you know, for me, like I like to um, see what are the other options um, more than, you know, I want to hold on to what I have right now. Um, so, yeah, so I think that's, you know, kind of the, the takeaway, which is if you can come back, then, you know, why, why not put yourself out there and maybe you will come back appreciating home even more. And yeah, either way, you know, you don't, you don't lose much. Yeah, I think. Uh, Chelsea, we'll have you summarize every. I will get you on for every episode to summarize. <laughs> Perfectly uh, done. <laughs> uh, I I don't have anything to add to that. Uh, actually, no, do you have I think we've kind of covered yeah. we've covered quite a bit in terms of a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I even I don't have anything to add to this. Okay. Uh, so then, the final question, Chelsea. Uh, do you have anything insightful or funny that you've experienced, read, seen, or heard in the past few weeks? Um, maybe not the past few weeks, but can I can I talk about an anecdote? Um, yeah. The kind of like a cultural shock, language barrier anecdote of moving to the U.S. So, um, one of my um, favorite uh, things to eat since I moved to the U.S. is a bagel with cream cheese. I've oh. never had a bagel in my life until I moved here. And the first time I saw a bagel um, during the orientation week of my undergrad, I was confused. I was like, is this, is this bread? It's like, it's like a donut-shaped bread. It's very confusing. I was like, because it, it, it has a shape like a donut. So I took a bite. I was like, oh, of course, it has to be a dessert. And then, and then it wasn't sweet. And then I got really confused. Literally, people told me, oh, that that's bagel. Um, and, and then, you know, so then, so then, you know, I, I realized that I really like bagel with cream cheese. Um, and, and the word cream cheese really stuck in my mind. Um, and so one time we, I was ordering Chipotle with a friend. Um, and then I, 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 asked, uh, I asked them to add uh, cream cheese to my Chipotle. Uh, and, but you know, Chipotle doesn't serve cream cheese. They serve sour cream, which is a completely mm. <laughs> different type of dairy product. And and then um, the the staff at Chipotle just look at me and say, "What is she talking about? Like, is she like <laughs> drunk or is she stoned? Like, why is she asking for cream cheese?" <laughs> um, and then and then my friends, you know, instantly realized what they're trying to say and say, "No, no, no, she she didn't want cream cheese. She meant sour cream." Um, and and so yeah, that's uh that's a lesson learned. I'm not gonna. It's a mistake. I'm never gonna make again. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> mm, it's uh, actually quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> 
maybe you should try making a sour cream cake <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe wow okay can you imagine that trying to make um like a cheesecake with sour cream <laughs> oh no <laughs> chelsea's next baking assignment <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, okay um uh, in the interest of time i'm not so i have so when you mentioned bagels and cream cheese uh never mind <laughs> um <laughs> it's a long story i i was going to start talking about it but it'll take up like 5 minutes uh maybe next time uh final question chelsea who would you like to feature on this podcast um i uh i recently got in touch with um uh, diego from peru i don't know if he he just joined the um the whatsapp group he was in um facebook uh in our facebook group um only before that so um and diego oliver i think that's that's his full name um so yeah he he seems like a pretty uh fun person who loves you know dancing and partying and has a lot of funny stories to share um so i thought you know he'd be he'd be fun to um speak with okay we have uh we'll try to get diego on the podcast soon uh but that being said thank you so much for joining us today chelsea this topic was really interesting to talk about and i felt uh, it was also quite relevant considering we're all going to be moving again soon moving out <laughs> i know <laughs> uh, yeah uh, and thank you guys so much for for you know this great conversation this opportunity to be on a podcast that that is such a big deal <laughs> i feel, i feel, feel like i'm famous for <laughs> you are you are <laughs> Yeah. that's awesome yeah thanks a ton chelsea i think this is exactly i think what anak said it's something that we have all faced all three of us have kind of um uh, faced this topic so it was very relevant for us and also i think this was one of the longer uh, episodes that shows how much we really enjoyed it because we don't really like think of how time is passing and we just keep talking mm. so it's a, it's a great great thing so thanks thanks a lot chelsea yeah, yeah and also because I, you guys are great hosts I uh, I appreciate your your facilitation skills. <laughs> uh you're too kind Jalsi. But I agree with Akshita. I think this is our longest episode. So uh <laughs> um, yeah, that says a lot about how much we actually enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cheers guys. Uh talk to you soon. I'm going to stop recording.